Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. We're looking in the book of Galatians. And uh, Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2. I want to start off with asking you uh, to bow with me in prayer, if you would. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we praise you for uh, the privilege of being in your house. And we praise you for the privilege of of joining our hearts together in worship of you. And Father, as we uh, study your word and as we uh, join together to to hear the voice of, of the Holy Spirit speaking into our lives, Lord, we pray that you would help us to be drawn in to an understanding of of your desire for us. And Lord, help us to uh, set aside the things of this world. Help us to to lay aside the the worries and concerns that could keep us from hearing your voice. And Lord, instead, let us uh, dwell on on your desire. And Lord, may we be focused on uh, what you have to say to us this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How do you live the Christian life? We've been talking about that uh, quite a, a bit uh, the last month and about uh, especially when we when you go back to our study that we uh, just completed in 1 John and we talked about uh, how do we live the Christian life? What is it that we do that allows us to, to live the Christian life? Uh, the 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 real answer is is that you don't. Over, uh, uh, you know, millions of people, billions of people have become Christian uh, in the over 2,000 years since uh, Christ walked on this earth. And all of us have striven to, to live like Christ. And the problem is, is that only one has ever done it. Only Jesus has lived the Christian life, the Christ-like life, uh, the way that we should. Uh, all of us have, have uh, come close, maybe, uh, some closer than others, uh, but all of us have failed at living the life like Christ lived His life on this earth. None of us, I don't even think that you could even say uh, Billy Graham or Charles Stanley or anybody else that you might admire in the faith has uh, been able to accomplish the, the, the whole life as Christ uh, the way Jesus has. And so we've all come short. We've all fallen short. We've all maybe done a good job, maybe uh, done better than uh, others, but we've all missed the mark. 
And here Paul is writing in the book of Galatians to a group of people that are dealing with uh, how to live the, the, uh, their life as Christ lived His life. How do we live our life the way that God desires? Well, there's uh, some who would say, you know, well, uh, hey, you know, uh, maybe we ought to write down some rules and we ought to come up with some rules about how we should live our life and uh, how we should uh, do uh how we should meet these challenges in our life to live more like Christ. Well, uh, Paul was dealing with a, a group of people that were legalistic. They uh, tended to look at the Ten Commandments and they said, well, if we just follow these ten rules, if we just follow the Ten Commandments, then if we did all of these things and we followed them to a T, we would be people who not only are, are right with God, where we live the kind of life that Christ would have us to live. The problem with that is, is it's impossible to do. But you have some that are legalistic and uh, they love rules. They uh, love uh, the, don't, uh, the do's and the don'ts. Don't do this and do, uh, you need to do that and you need to do this, and, and, but don't do that. They love rules because it's set out in black and white. It's so clear cut with rules. Problem is, is that life doesn't fit into all the rules. You can sit and write all kinds of rules and you'll never cover everything and they but these people did they tried to do that they uh went from 10 commandments that god gave and and came up with 635 other rules on how to live their life to try and help people to keep the 10 commandments they wrote over 600 other rules to try and keep just 10 commandments the problem is is that no one could keep all the rules. No one could even remember all the rules. And uh, even then, with, all, with over 638 rules, there never was always a rule to fit every circumstance. Now, that's the problem with a lot of young people today that we were talking about in discipleship training. How do we reach young people? How do we reach uh, the next generation uh, or the generation uh, uh, after that? How do we reach these generations that we don't fall into? And the problem is that those generations look at us and they say, well, you've got all these rules of how you should live and you follow all these rules, but uh, they don't see how any of those rules apply to their life because they feel as though their life is so different from our life that our rules can't possibly fit their life. And that's true. Um, uh, there's a lot of things that the way that we would handle those things are not the way they choose to handle them because they don't have the same life experiences that we have and they don't, understand, uh, they don't have, uh, let's just put it in the most technical of terms, they, uh, and this is not in any way a slight on anybody of any other generation. It's just that uh, they're still learning. They haven't got all the knowledge yet. They don't understand all the things that, uh, that other generations have already lived through and already dealt with, already had to... to uh, uh, what they don't understand uh, what, when those younger generations look at an older generation they say well you think you got it all figured out the problem is they don't realize that our generation or, or other generations before them they failed miserably 
with the same issues, the same problems that they're facing. And the reason that we have rules and the reason that we have uh, ways of doing things is because we realize the mistakes that we made and we don't want them to make the mistakes that we made and, and suffer the way that we suffered, right? I mean, isn't that usually the case? I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know, for instance, you, you boil it down to the most basic of situations. Um, you turn on a, a, a stove with a hot burner or you light a fire in the fireplace as an older person, you realize that that's hot. Then you have a younger child that's maybe two that's toddling around and, and exploring things, and they look up at that burner, and it's nice and red, and it's pretty, it's glowing. Or the fire is burning in the fireplace, and it's glowing, and it's so pretty, and, it, and, and they want to touch it because it's pretty, and they want to put their hand in there. But you as an older person, you know that it's hot. That redness means it's hot. It, it's going to burn them, and it's going to hurt. So you try and keep them from touching that hot burner or putting their hand into the fireplace. And uh, then they look at you and say, why are you keeping me from having fun? Well, you want them to have fun. That's why you kept them from putting their hand on the hot stove or, or putting their hand in the fireplace is you want them to experience joy and happiness and you know that danger lies ahead. Well, that's what legalistic uh, legalism tries to teach. Well, we've got all these rules. We want to keep you from having bad experiences in your life. We've made up these rules. You follow these rules, you'll have a good experience. But the problem is uh, it doesn't fit the way it should in so many ways. And then you have others that are the nom- nomism. Uh, you have the legalist and then you have the nominalist. The nominalist, uh, they believe that, well, uh, if you abide by the rules, then you'll please God because you're living by the rules. You're, you might not live by all the rules, but you're pleasing God because you're, you're trying to uh, abide by the rules. And you honor the rules and you say, well, those rules are important. Now, you've got a lot of people that are in that category today. They don't follow all the rules, but they understand the importance of the rules. They understand that it's important to God that they keep the rules. And they realize they can't keep all the rules, so uh, they're just going to honor the rules, and they're going to honor by keeping as many as they can, but they realize they're not going to keep all of them. Um, Paul comes and says, look, you're missing the mark completely. You misunderstand the reason for the rules, and you misunderstand the reason why you should uh, why you need to live your life in a certain way. So Paul uh, comes and there's just one verse I want us to look at Galatians chapter two, and uh, if we look down at verse twenty, I think it's uh, for me uh, in my Bible. I've I've underlined a lot of verses throughout my life. Uh, I've had this Bible uh, probably for uh, a good. Uh, 40 plus years and it's boy it's embarrassing to to say that out loud now uh, I didn't even think about how long I've had this Bible Um, 
But I, I underlined, I've underlined a lot of important verses, and this is one of those verses. It says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is one of the most important verses, and I think one of the uh, few verses that if you can't uh, memorize uh, all the Scripture you want to memorize, this is one of the verses that would be a good verse to memorize. It's a verse that uh, that is so important for us to understand in how to live our life. And I want us to look at this verse because I think uh, while many people may have memorized this verse and realized the importance of it, I think it's so easy to miss the understanding of what this verse means and what Paul is trying to, what the Holy Spirit is trying to convey to us through Paul in his ministry to the church at Galatia. He says, first of all, he says, I am crucified with Christ, yet never Nevertheless, I live. And what Paul is referring to is, is that he's, he says, I've given my heart and life to Jesus Christ. That's the base meaning of that phrase and, and the way in which most people understand it. But uh, what uh, a deeper look at that conveys an important message to us that we need to understand and we need to grasp hold of. And Paul is saying, uh, I... Uh, uh, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. That means, uh, and, and a lot of times I speak about this when I baptize people uh, in the baptistry and uh, when they come to a point in their life where they're following Jesus Christ. And, and I talk about the fact that we've been crucified with Christ. Paul's desire is, is to convey to us is that not only has he given his heart and life to Jesus Christ, uh, but he says, I've been crucified with Christ. I've given up my rights as an individual. And I, it's, he says, it's as if I've been crucified there with Jesus Christ. And what he's saying is, in essence, he says, I'm no longer under the authority of the rules. And this is, this is a... Uh, 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 a shocking thing for a lot of people. He says, look, um, and it's not, Paul's not saying the rules aren't important, but what he's saying to those who are the legalistic type of individual is, is that, look, um, if I've died with Christ, then I'm not alive anymore. If you're alive, if you're, if you are dead, do you have to worry about speed limits anymore? No. Uh, uh, if you're dead, do you have to worry about uh, your taxes anymore? I, I finished my taxes a week or so ago and uh, got them sent in and everything. And boy, what a relief that was to get all, that off of me early, get it done, get it uh, into uh, the proper authorities. Um, but if you're dead, do you have to worry about taxes anymore? No. Uh, if you're dead, do you have to worry about, uh, you don't have to worry about paying your uh, housing tax, uh, your taxes on your property. You don't have to worry about ta- uh, paying your, uh, your income tax. You don't have to worry about filing your taxes. You don't have to worry about any of that anymore. Why? 
because you're dead, right? If you're dead, you don't have to worry anymore about um, uh, anything because you're dead. Paul says, I died with Christ. And so he's saying, I don't have to worry about the Ten Commandments anymore because I died with Christ. I died on the cross of Calvary with Christ, and so I, my life is no more. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and so what he's saying is, uh, and he goes into that, the reason I can say that's what he means by that is because of what he says next. He says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live... Yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. He says, I'm not living under the rules and, the, and, and all of the legalism of the commandments. I don't live under that. Why? Because he's now living not himself any longer, but he lives in Christ Jesus. Christ lives in him. He is, uh, and we understand this in terms of, and, and you'll understand this a lot more when I talk about uh, the matter of grace. We don't have to worry so much about the Ten Commandments in our life because we understand that we live under the grace of Jesus Christ. Christ died on the cross of Calvary, so now we're not covered by the law, we're covered by grace. We uh, understand grace and we understand all of that. And Paul is saying here, um, I don't have to worry about the law about the Ten Commandments because I am dead with Christ. And he says, it's not I, but Christ lives within me. Paul is saying, I have a freedom and I have a liberty that comes with living under the grace of Jesus Christ. It is that I, I don't have, uh, have an issue with the law. Now, why was the law given? The law was given by God because you had a whole nation of slaves that the children of Israel that were had been in Egypt for 400 years they had been living as slaves for a, a good portion of that uh, time frame so they didn't understand what it meant to be a nation they didn't understand what it meant to to be free they they had lived for so long as slaves that that when the first troubles came up remember they said hey let's go back to Egypt we don't have anything to eat. Well, let's go back to Egypt. They're talking about going back to slavery. Have you ever heard of a slave that wanted to go back and, and be a slave again? They said, let's go back to Egypt. At least there uh, we knew that we had the meat pots and they were full of meat and we had all kinds of, of uh, herbs and spices. We had the onions and all the things that we uh, wanted to eat. We had plenty to eat. And here they were, they were throwing away their their newfound freedom because they were hungry. And so God gave them the Ten Commandments because He wanted them to understand that they had to live a certain way. They had to live under a new set of circumstances. They, they ha He had to help them to understand that, that, they, uh, that God had certain expectations of them. And they soon found out that it was impossible to live under those Ten Commandments, wasn't it? We know and understand that God gave the Ten Commandments uh, to help 
mold and shape the people of Israel into a nation, but it was also to help them more than anything on this side of the cross. We understand that the Ten Commandments were to help them to understand that it was impossible to live by those commands and, that, and to create with them an understanding that they needed a Savior a Savior in Jesus Christ, and to help them to understand that it was impossible uh, to get to God through these commandments because they couldn't keep them all. And so therefore they needed to to have a Savior who would allow them uh, uh, through His sacrifice on the cross to bring them into the presence of God. And so what we, uh, what we have here is Paul saying, look, I don't need the commandments anymore because Christ has brought me into the presence of God. He says, I'm not alive anymore. I don't have to worry about these laws because it's not me. I, I'm, I'm not alive. I'm, I'm, uh, it's Christ that lives in me, not myself. And Paul's talking about lordship at that point, Right? He's saying, look, I know I don't have to worry about living under the laws because I don't live, Christ lives. Well, you have to worry about it if Christ not, is not the Lord of your life. He has to be more than just Savior. He has to be the Lord of your life. Paul said, I don't have to worry about the law because Christ is the Lord of my life. He says, I'm not alive. Christ is alive in my place. He says, it's as if Christ died on the cross for me, so I died on the cross for Christ. I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ, and so I'm not living for me. I'm living for Christ. And Paul says, look, uh, I, it's not me that is alive, it's Christ that is alive. Boy, this verse is packing a punch, isn't it? Paul's talking about not only uh, about the need for a Savior, the law, the fact that he doesn't have to live under the law because he's a child of God, he's, he's a born-again Christian, he's accepted Jesus Christ into his life. He's talking about lordship because he's saying, it's not I that live, but Christ lives in me. He's saying, I'm not alive, it's Christ that's alive. I don't have to worry about the law because Christ uh, uh, fulfills the law. Christ uh, followed the law and was able to keep the law. Only He's able to do that. And Christ living in me, so now I don't have to worry about the law because if I live in Christ, then Christ is going to allow me to be the person that God wants me to be. And so Paul says, it's not I that, uh, that am alive, it's Christ that is, lives in me. And he says, And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself for me. He says, The way that I do that, the way in which I live, and allow Jesus Christ to live in me, he says, I do that in the flesh through faith. Through the faith in Jesus Christ, through faith in understanding and knowing what Christ wants for my life, through faith in trusting what Christ did for me on the cross, through faith in understanding His grace for my life, through faith in, in allowing Christ to uh, be the Lord of my life, and, and through faith in allowing Him to order my steps, through faith allows my flesh, in, in, and it is the flesh, it is weak, it is uh, fallible, but in the flesh, through faith, being able to follow after Christ and doing what uh, uh, Christ wants for my life. And so he says, he says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. How does he have that assurance of life? Through faith in Christ, through faith and trusting in Him. 
And he says, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live in, uh, uh, I live by the faith of the Savior, uh, uh, by the Son of God. How do we have that faith? How do we have the faith in Christ? How do we have that faith that trusts in Him? He says, because it is through Jesus Christ, through the Son of God. He And here's how Paul has the faith. He says, because Jesus loves me and He gave Himself for me. Look, we can say we love someone. Mommy, Daddy, I love you. Really? All right, son, go out there and, and wash the car. Well, Daddy, I, 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 I'm busy. I, I'm watching my show. Daddy, I, I don't feel like it. Daddy, it's hot out there. Son, you said you love me. Go out there and wash the car. What's that called? Obedience. We show our love to God. Uh, we show our love to our parents through obedience. We show our love to God through obedience. We show our love uh, for someone by putting our love into action, right? Daddy, I love you. I love you too, son. Well, Daddy, I, I'm going through a problem right now. I, I, I've got an issue. Really, son? What is it? Tell me about it. Well, I owe some uh, money I, I don't have. Oh, well, son, what, what do you need? What do you need? How much do you need? Here's some money. Take Here, take care of your needs. Take care of your problems. Are you sure, Daddy? Yeah, son. It's putting love into action, right? We show our love not just in what we say. We put it into action. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Mama, I'm sick. Really, uh, daughter, uh, you're sick? Well, uh, give me five minutes. I'll be there as soon as I can, and we'll take care of you. We, you know, we stay up with our, uh, our children when they're sick. And even though they're uh, throwing up and and uh, and and just got a fever of 103, we'll stay up all night long to make sure that that child is taken care of and make sure that they're uh, on the road to recovery. Why? Because we love them. We don't do all those things because we're getting paid. We don't do all those things because somebody's watching us. We don't do all those things because we're getting famous because of it. We do it because we love them, right? Our love is expressed in the actions that we have for those that we love. And God understands that. He puts that into motion. He says, look, here's how you know that I love you. He says, first of all, I've told you I've loved you. All throughout Scripture, uh, from the very beginning, God has expressed His love towards us, and He's put it into action all throughout history. All, uh, everything, every turn that you look, God has expressed His love. From Genesis to Revelation, God is expressing His love towards His people, expressing His love towards mankind. When we messed up in the garden and we sinned, from then on, God has been uh, uh, nothing but expressing His love and uh, allowing us to understand that, yeah, we messed up really big, but hey, God's got a plan for us and, and God's uh, expressing His love in that plan and sharing for it. Look, God didn't, uh, God does not <clears throat> compromise uh, 
The world today wants to say, well, if God really loved everybody, then He wouldn't send anybody to hell. That's what the world says. If God really loved everybody, He would compromise His stand. He would compromise who He is as God. And anybody and everybody would be accepted into heaven regardless of what they do. That's not love. That's that's just simply bending over backwards and and compromising everything. God expresses love by saying, "Look, I love you, and I love you despite your sin. I love you despite all the things that you're doing." God says, "Look, uh, I do love everybody, but that doesn't mean that I take away the penalty." of sin. He says, I love you, so therefore I am upholding the the penalty of sin and I'm upholding the price of sin, but guess what? I paid that price for you. I've I've paid the price with the most precious gift I have, and that's my son, Jesus Christ. And I've paid that price for you because of your sin and because there's no one else that could pay that price. And I'm going to pay the, the, the penalty of that sin so that I can express my love to you and so that you can come and accept my gift of love and so that you can understand how precious my love is to you by expressing to you the cost of my love for you. And so God is expressing His love towards us. And, and because of that, it, it comes with a price. He says, And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loves me because He expressed His love for me, who loves me, who throughout all of history has expressed His love for me, who loves me and died for me. He he demonstrated His love by giving His life for me. He demonstrated His love who gave Himself for me. Jesus showed the greatest expression of love. It wasn't a big bouquet of flowers. It wasn't a bouquet of Sherry's berries uh, for Valentine's Day. It wasn't wasn't, uh, a a big uh, uh, heart-shaped container of of chocolates. All those things are temporal. All those things will go away. All those things are, are so minuscule compared to the love of God. God's love for us was demonstrated by the fact that Jesus not only told us, uh, told us of His love, but gave Himself for us so that we might see His love. And so that brings us back to the point that, that Paul says, Look, God loves me. He gave Himself for me. So the least I can do is give myself for Him. And that leads us right around to back to the beginning of the verse that Paul is saying, you want to know how to live your life as a Christian? He says, I am crucified with Christ. Because of the love of Jesus Christ in uh, my life, because of the love that, that God has demonstrated for me, I'm willing to demonstrate my love to Him by crucifying my life 
because He crucified Jesus on the cross for my sins. I'm willing to give up my life that Christ might live in me. So we, we need to understand that the, the way in which we live for Christ is to die to self. We live for Christ by not living for ourselves, but allowing Christ to live in us. By allowing Christ to live in our place. He took my place on the cross. So I allow Him to take my place as I live my life walking the earth. That's how we live for Christ. That's how we live as Christians. We allow Christ to live in us. Let's pray. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You so much for Your love and we praise You for the privilege of of being in Your house and we praise You for uh, the fact that You've given Your life for us. Lord, we pray that You'd help us to to give our life for You. Lord, that You allow us to to, uh, die in Christ Jesus. Allow us to to live in Christ. Lord, we pray that You would uh, help us as we seek to live each day according to your desire and will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.